What's up? It's episode 57, Pain Points of Wealth, and the all-asset melt-up is upon us. Everything is going up right now. Oil prices are surging to all-time record highs every single day. Bitcoin, all-time record highs. Stocks, all-time record highs. What should you be doing right now? Is this a big bubble? Can it continue? We're going to break down exactly what's going on in the market, and we're going to talk about your financial independence. Do you have a date when you want to be financially free, retired? We're going to show you exactly how to pick that date, how to build that plan, get you on track for your financial independence plan. We got a great show. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne the generation somewhere in between. You know, guys, this is why I tune into the podcast every week. I turn on the nightly news and they say inflation, bad, oil, bad, supply chain disruption, bad, unemployment, bad. I got to tune in to listen to you guys because all I know, it's good. It's really good. And why do they keep telling us it's bad? Well, Dad, I've been talking to all my clients over the past 30 days and every single one of them tell me how bad things are and they tell me how bad their September statement looks. And I said, well, why are you living in September when you should be living in the now? Your account's completely recovered from that and you got to keep looking forward. Well, that's the thing. Wall Street's been calling for this big correction. We got a little tiny rotation sideways move in the markets about all we've seen. This has been one of the best years I can remember in the history of the stock market. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. And it's just a good reminder, right? Number one, one thing we pointed out is sentiment was very, very negative. And as we know, when you have very, very low optimism, that's typically very bullish for markets because your surprises are in the positive. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. I mean, earnings season has just been awesome. Companies are blowing out their earnings right now. And again, we have all these issues with inflation. You know, supply chains are still a mess. The global economy is just like completely rebounding here, which is driving oil prices even higher than they were before. And the great casino. I call it the great casino. A Bitcoin is just surging to new highs every single day. And it just comes down to like, this is a huge asset melt up. It doesn't matter what it is besides gold, of course, or those gold bugs now. You know, it seems like everything right now is going higher. Oh, well, right. Don't forget bond funds. Bond funds are going down. But look at oil. I mean, a year ago, year and a half ago, we had a negative $37 a barrel print on oil. Why? There was no demand, right? The economy was shut down globally because of the pandemic. Nobody needed oil. It was sitting out in tankers out in the ocean with nowhere to go. Now it's $85 a barrel. Why? Because demand is strong. The economy is booming, not just here, but globally. So when the economy does well, oil usage goes up. You know, when you have supply and demand, right? There's more demand than supply. The price goes up. And guess what goes up with oil? The stock market. That's why it's positively correlated. You want oil to go up. That's just because you want to spend a lot of money at the gas pump. We don't want to do that. But we want to see our portfolio go up. So let's go oil. Higher, higher, higher. That's what I want. Dad, I was talking to one of my clients down in Jacksonville, Florida, and all she could do is complain about the fact that she's paying $4 a gallon to put gas in her car. So I said, do you want to be punished at the pump or do you want to be punished in your portfolio? And she said, well, I'd rather be punished at the pump as long as I'm making money in my account. I said, well, guess what? You're up 50% on your pipelines this year. Well, that's it, right? You want to be the owner, not just the consumer. That's how you benefit. And I guess the question I'm getting over and over is, I just feel like this economy is going to fall off a cliff. I just feel like right now things are more dangerous than ever. And look, let's just keep it simple here, guys. Economics 101, I don't think I could ever make it economics 102, 
But COVID cases are falling worldwide. Something we pointed out in August, we said, look, these are going to drop. It was already happening in the UK. We saw that Delta variant where the cases were dropping. Lo and behold, it's dropping everywhere now, which means factories are reopening. Demand is solid right now. We had retail sales last week come in better than expected. All that means is consumers are spending money. Shocking. Americans love to spend money and they're doing it. Very good for the economy. And lastly, wages are going up. Like, what am I missing here? That's all you need to know. This is a formula for a booming economy. The roaring 20s are here, boys. No, really true, Rye, because when you have that kind of demand, it's a kind of a push-pull in the economy. You know, it's going to impact corporate profits. And now we're in earnings season. We just kicked it off last week with JP Morgan and PNC Bank. And so far, virtually every company has beat their estimates on top line and bottom line. But what's more important is what they say in their conference calls. And so far, the outlook's been upbeat. And remember, the market's forward-looking. They want to hear good news coming out of the boardroom. That's well and good, Bob. But I think the bigger question here is what's on everyone's mind, I know it, is why is Bitcoin going so much higher? Has something changed? Is all of a sudden, are you buying everything with Bitcoin now? I mean, I'm still using Bobcoin, which believe me, there's not one vendor in the United States now that doesn't take Bobcoin. So get on that bus. But it seems to me like, what am I missing, guys? Nothing's changed. It's still very volatile. I can't buy anything with it. It's actually very slow to do transactions with, yet the price continues to go higher. And everyone keeps telling me it's the new gold. I'm confused. You know, right? It's confusing because we think like investors. We don't think like speculators. And when you look at what's happening globally, we've had all these central banks create this enormous liquidity. I mean, there's so much money in the system. And the idea is, well, banks will lend it out. Well, there's more money than banks can lend out. So a lot of that liquidity is trapped in the markets. And when you have that, it's like there's no alternative, right? You don't want to put it in a money market fund. You're getting one basis point. I mean, zero return. You want to invest it in the stock market. Well, what happens is the more speculative areas of the market get the most attention. And that's where a big bubble is being created. Now, when that bubble bursts, I don't know. But there's plenty of great places to invest money. It shouldn't be in tech stocks where the disruptors, it shouldn't be in the innovators, shouldn't be in the crypto because that's going to end poorly. I don't know when, but it's going to. Dad, I was talking to a client of mine, very successful business person, and he told me that we need to get in on Bitcoin. He said that we're selling ourselves short, but not getting into Bitcoin. I said, well, what about Bitcoin is so much better than everything else that you own? He's like, well, everybody's talking about it. So we got to be in on it. I said, so your investment reason, your financial reason for buying into this asset category is because everybody else is talking about it. And you know what, guys? I think that's the reason why a lot of people get into these speculative investments is just because they want to be cool in front of their friends. Well, here's my problem. And first off, look, I can keep going higher here. To your point, Bob, there's just so much money in the system that it's got to go somewhere. And human nature is inclined to go where the biggest returns are, which in the short term, that's great. That might work. The problem is when the music stops. The problem is, look, I don't understand it. I have someone send me this text message about it the other day talking about how he's converting his USD to his BTC, then goes into BNB. And then he's doing it on his Binance smart chain network, avoiding insane ETH gas fees. And then this is literally what he's writing to me. And his solid long-term project is getting about 20% a day in rewards because they don't call them dividends. I don't understand what any of that means. Yeah, it sounds more like iambic pentameter than a uh, strategy for investing. (laughs) But this is what's going on right now. And I'm getting all these messages about how Bitcoin is this amazing currency that we're all going to use and we're getting these great returns. But I just, it just seems to me like it's some great ship of fools. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Call me crazy, but I'm going to stick with the portfolio that we invest in. Bonds that are backed by the full faith and credit of the issuer. Stocks that are backed by real assets, right? Every company owns buildings, jets, products, factories. 
I love it when the stock market goes down because I always hope and root for it to go to zero because if it gets to zero, then I can have everything in a country for free. I don't know about you guys, but I think if ever market ever goes to zero, I'm taking Madison Square Garden. I've always loved that building. Yeah. And that's what everyone forgets. People talk about, oh, stocks are just a piece of paper. They're not. You know, These are physical assets that you own of companies, Bob, to your point. And those profits every month or quarter, those dividends are real profits from these very productive companies in society. And even you know the US dollar, I get it. It's a fiat currency, yada, yada, yada. But last time I looked, US government has the most powerful military in the world and owns over $220 trillion worth of physical assets. So it isn't backed by nothing. You know, Ryan, I once saw a video of you trying to go into a Starbucks to buy coffee with the Bitcoin, and you couldn't do it. I went to Starbucks the other day with the almighty dollar, and I was able to get myself a large cup of coffee. Well, guys, you know, the US dollar is still the reserve currency of the world. We're the safest place, safest harbor. Things go bad. Everybody wants to put their money in the US. I'm going to stick with investments that are backed by real assets. Bitcoin, backed by nothing, which means... It can keep going up in this bubble or it could go to zero. I don't know. I don't like those odds. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 57, Pain Points of Wealth. We've literally tripled our subscribership over the course of the last couple months. Thank you for the support. If you like our content, you love it. Don't be shy. Leave us a five-star rating. If you're listening to this on iTunes, leave us a comment. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, click that notification bell. The more support you give us, the more we'll be able to do this week after week and give you fresh new content, our perspective on the financial markets, investing, financial planning, all that good stuff. Thanks for the support. Please click the like button, subscribe. And gentlemen, it's the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, one of the biggest problems we need to address for the thousand or so families we advise at our firm, pain capital management, is when is it quote unquote safe to start living off your portfolio and stop working. So you guys are talking about a retirement date. Now, I want to talk about something else before we get into the subject. You know, we have two of our certified financial planners on maternity leave right now, and we're busier than we've ever been. And a client said to me the other day, he said, well, you gave them both six months maternity leave. Do you get grandfather leave since one of those <laughs> CFPs is your daughter? And I said, you know, I don't. And I'm working 24 hours a day right now trying to keep up. So I don't know, guys. Retirement sounds pretty good, but I'm going to go for a little grandfather paternity. How's that? That sounds good. Chris, I'm not surprised dad's trying to get out of work again. Unbelievable. Yeah, no kidding. You know what, dad? We ran your financial plan for your financial independence. And what we came up with is you got to keep working. Yeah. My arms are so tired for carrying Bob all these years. It's unbelievable. Yeah, my shoulder's a little sore. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right, Bob. All right, let's move on. So let's talk about retirement. I think it's in this day and age, it's really different. You know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, as somebody famous once said. But you know, I think it's more important to think about financial independence and having that big pile of go to hell money where you can decide to do what you want to do every day. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, a lot of times we talk about, I want to have X amount of money at a certain date, whether it's a million dollars, $3 million, whatever that arbitrary number is. And I think it's more important to pick that date because for everybody, that pile of money has to be different. You know, what if you have a pension? What if you have, Social Security coming in. What if you have an inheritance? Hint, Bob. You know, so it really just depends on you specifically. So I think the first place you've got to look at is deciding like, when is that going to be? Is that five years from now? Is that 10 years from now? If you're a millennial, maybe you want to take a break from working for a couple of years and travel and go back to work. You know, we got to solve for all these problems, but you've got to begin with the end in mind. And that's picking that date, number one, before you think about the pile of cash. Yeah. But you know, I think that could be a trap too, right? Because I find that my running wealth projections based on living on a certain amount of money in your lifetime 
you know, having specific goals will keep you grounded because I'm finding that I have clients now who are focused on, you know, I want to have 4 million in net worth and now we're at 5 million. Now I'm thinking, I really want to be 6 million. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What about enjoying your life? Focus on your lifestyle, not on just achieving some number because you want to make sure that you use this money while you're able to use it as opposed to just accumulating a big pile of money. To that point, Dad, I have a client of mine that I talked to this week, and he really, he and his wife really want to buy a second home. They're going to be coming into quite a bit of money from the sale of a business. And he said, well, you know, am I foolish to be thinking about this right now? Should I wait a couple of years, you know, after we get the money? Are we making a bad decision? And I said, no. I said, the money is for you to have the best lifestyle possible. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So if it's a goal for you to own a home and we can do it now, we should do it now. Well, that's exactly right. And it's like the question is, what's enough, right? Because hey, maybe you want to get to $10 million or $15 million, but there's a saturation point And we've run the numbers where if you had 10 million or 15 million or wherever that number is, it's probably not going to change your lifestyle at all. So I think you've got to find that balance between having enough money to do all the things you want to do, but then actually enjoying the things you want to do. Because the last time I looked, guys, time is much more valuable than money. And the whole idea of money is to fund the ability to have the freedom to do what you want to do, more so than keeping up the Joneses or having that mental number in your head. And I think the clients we find are the happiest are the ones that find that balance. Yeah, right. It's not just accumulating wealth. It's investing that wealth properly. There's so many of you are sitting there with way too much cash right now. Some big time hedge fund manager came out the other day and said, cash is trash. And you know what? He's right. When you're getting one basis point on your yield or zero return, basically on your cash, and you have inflation running at 2 3 4 5%, that's how much you're losing every year. So you want to make sure that you're generating a positive return on those assets without taking too much risk. And that's kind of the balancing act that takes some thought, takes some planning, takes some strategy, and something where it's, you got to make sure you're focused on it every day. I mean, that's our job, not yours. Well, that is a crazy thought, right? I mean, right now, if you sit in cash, because inflation is so much higher than it was, talking about 4 or 5% infl- inflation, that means you're losing like 5% on your money a year is a lot. It's not like when we had low inflation in the last decade, it was like 1% or 2% a year, and you actually had some interest on your money market fund. Now you have zero interest on your money market fund, and you're losing 5% a year. It's probably the most critical time ever to make sure that you're getting invested properly. And again, though, it also comes down to this, Chris, and I'm sure you can agree with this. It's like, it's about getting the right return. You probably don't need 20% a year returns. Bitcoin and all these other glamorous assets you can put your money into, you can probably get away with a modest rate of return. Why take more risk than you need? Right. That's a really good point, Rob. But I think you know one of the things that people are really interested in is actually what is the process that we go through here at Payne Capital Management to help people identify when they can retire? You know, What's the system that we use and how do we lay all this out for people? Bob typically just takes darts and throws them at a board. That's worked well for him for years. I don't know. Wait a minute, guys. What happened to our agreement that we wouldn't tell any company secrets on the podcast? Try your buzzkill every week. But you know what happens is we get you focused on the great goals of life. Because what I found and I discovered back in the 70s is that investors are emotional human beings. You know, when I started working at old Mother Merrill downtown Philly in 1975, I would build a portfolio for a client on the premise that I could make the money. And as soon as the account went down, the portfolio went down, they'd fire me. And I'm thinking, what's wrong? They said, you said we're going to make money. We're losing money. And I'm like, okay, this is going to work. So what you have to do is attach your emotional resolve to achieving the goals, what I call the great goals of life, lifetime of income that you can't outlive, educating your children and grandchildren, endowing a chair at your university, or you know, making sure that you're able to give money to your charitable institutions, passing on that wealth to your children and heirs, 
you know, with the least amount of government interference. If you get focused on those goals, investing becomes easy because now it's not about, oh, should I be in or out? Should I trade or should I do this? It's like, no, I need to generate this return and I have to stay invested in order for this to happen. That's a great point. And then the other part of that equation is just investing as a discipline and a process as opposed to I can read the tea leaves. And I think the last couple of weeks are a perfect example of this. Like literally four weeks ago, everybody was very tepid about the market. You know, I was talking to clients and probably most of the listeners here can relate to this. Everyone felt like, man, I feel like this market's got to sell off here somewhere. Maybe I should lighten up on my stocks. And then bam, literally like a turn on a dime, markets ramped higher now all of a sudden. Market's going much higher and bond prices have actually gone down. And I'm getting a lot of clients saying, well, why are we in these bonds? Let's put more money in stocks. And that's the problem, right? You go with the whims of how you feel emotionally. That's the worst thing you can do. Because number one, you didn't want to sell stocks a couple of weeks ago when they were lower because now they've gone up a lot. And number two, if the market sells off big tomorrow, you've got to have those bonds for protection. So you know, you've got to leave your emotions out of it and your decision-making out of it and let the process make the decision for you. That's where the discipline comes in. The process and the discipline is smarter than you and me. You've got to adhere to it. That's what keeps you out of trouble. Well, here's the other side of that coin, guys. I have a friend of mine that I've known for 15 years. And every year he comes to me and he says, you know, Chris, when I have some money, he's like, I'll work with you. And I say the same thing to him every year. I say, well, look, you know, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, you got to have a plan to make money, not to have money to make a plan. And every single year he says the same thing. I said, maybe if we do a plan this time a year from now, you'll actually have some money. And he's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I said, well, you got to sit down with me so we can actually draw out what you're trying to accomplish because you have no idea. You know, Chris, that's a great point. I just set up a 529 plan for your nephew, my grandson, and I ran the college cost analysis based on when the two of you went to school. It's going to be like 400000 after tax, maybe 500000 when Liam is 18 years old and heading out off to college. Now, I don't know what it's going to cost, but I do know one thing. When you go to the university your freshman year, and that check doesn't clear, they don't let you stay. So there's a goal. You know, I'm investing today based on what's going to happen in 18 years. That's what planning's about, is putting the money to work so that those goals can be achieved. Not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you've saved over $750,000 and you want a more hands-on approach, myself, Bob, and Chris will put together for you our total financial master plan and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. There's no other financial services firm that'll do this work up front. We'll look at every holding that you have. We'll look at the fees you're paying. We'll look at the taxes that you're paying, show you how to optimize that, reduce all the fees on your portfolio. We'll look at diversification. We'll look at the underlying risk you have in your portfolio if we have a market crash tomorrow. And if you're sitting with way too much money in cash, we'll put together a full investment plan so you can grow your money and protect it over time. We'll go through all your savings and expenses, figure out if you're on track for financial independence and show you exactly what you need to do. Literally, if you have over $750,000 for retirement, you want a more hands-on approach, go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 57, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, please don't be shy. Click on that like button, subscribe. If this is on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please click that like button, click that little notification bell so you can be updated every single week of our new content. The more support you give us, will give us the ability to continue to do this podcast week after week. We love doing it. 
Don't be shy. Show us the love. As always, we really appreciate your support. The hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, flows into municipal bond mutual funds have been on a tear in 2021. So far this year, total inflows have reached nearly $89 billion, a record pace that would be the second highest among full year results, only behind 2019 at $93.6 billion in inflows. Could this be another bubble? You know, Rod, it's not a bubble, but it's a gigantic mistake, right? When you take the bond market, which is a major asset class, something everyone should have in their portfolios, you want to have bonds that are fixed income, which means you have a fixed rate of return, a fixed maturity date. What you do with a bond fund, if you take that fixed income investment, that municipal bond, and you put it into a mutual fund, which now you're taking a fixed income investment and you're giving it stock market risk without the chance of getting a stock market return. So it's a really bad move. I feel bad that they're pouring money into an asset class in a way that's going to cause them pain and suffering in the future. So don't suffer. Buy individual bonds, high quality bonds. Get out of these bond funds. They're dangerous. They're weapons of mass financial destruction. Hey, rule number one, don't own bond funds. Rule number two, don't own bond funds. Rule number three, revert to rule number one. And rule- Chris, oil prices and presidential approval have been highly correlated historically. When President Biden took office on January 20, 2021, this year, crude oil prices were only at $53 a barrel. Now they have risen to above $80 a barrel, and his approval rating, according to Gallup poll, has dropped from 57% down to 43%. Not good for Biden, all these high oil prices. Not good at all, but you know, I'm always suspicious of the statistics because when oil was at $0 a barrel, went below zero last April or April of 2020, President Trump's approval rating was at 43%. So not always correlated, right? Wow, Chris. Wow. Bucking the trends and the odds with your knowledge. I'm impressed. Bob, when Robinhood last reported quarterly earnings, the trading platform said it had 22.5 million funded accounts, the vast majority of those considered active, up 130% from a year earlier, a lot of people getting into the stock market. I love it, Ryan. A lot of people are investing in the stock market for the first time. And like everyone who starts out as a newbie investor, you usually pick some very speculative ideas and you end up losing money. So I think Robinhood's probably pretty appropriately named. Taking money from the poor and giving to the rich Wall Street executives who don't care about you, proof once again, but at some point, they'll learn, they'll give us a call. Such a cynic, Bob, but sadly, you're correct. Chris, the digital economy accounts for about 10% of India's gross domestic product compared with 40% in China. One in 10 Indians shops online pre-pandemic versus nearly half a Chinese. Sounds like there's a big opportunity with the second world's largest population. Yeah, I'd also suspect that maybe China probably spends a little bit more money on infrastructure than India does at this point, but who knows what the future will hold. Well, I think it also speaks to the growth is not going to be in the US. It's going to be around the world the next couple of years. You have to have a global portfolio. You heard it here on this podcast first. All right, gentlemen, another great show. Episode 57, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, please click that like button. Give us a five-star rating. Show us some love. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. 
Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,